You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. We are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte on this Monday. Excited to talk about some Hornets basketball with you this morning live on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets and on Twitter. You can follow us there at Locked On Hornets. And of course, keep up with us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRag Sports and I'm joined by... From Well, I'm joined by David Walker. I know that for sure from the mean streets of Cotswold. He has been covering the team since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com. David, what's going on? That's right, Doug. I'm here. I'm all in. Well, I know you're here. I heard another okay. ding during the intro. I did too. So I did too. Does, Who does is that it? Mean, so excited. Who is, who's there? Yeah. It's nobody, nobody really important. You know, <laughs> Good. Not Nick, for sure. From the capital city, Nicholas Denning. He cover, he edits uh, for AtTheHive.com, and he also writes for us on LockedOnHornets.com, our brand new spiffy website. Nick, how are you? Good, good. Just just made it, as you can see. Right Is anyone on else doing, Anyone else doing video besides me? Uh, you're on there. I like the. Is that a Miller High Life hat <laughs> with the Sith? You got the Sith lighting too. That's nice. Cool. Uh, no, we're we're doing what we can this morning. That's right. Uh, well, so are the Hornets. I think uh, we are mm-hmm. on Spotify. Should mention that our podcast now on Spotify. So search for us there. Locked on Hornets, and uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. They have the guaranteed lowest price on every framing project. Visit them online at framewarehouse.net. Okay, we've got a lot to get to. Interesting game, interesting ending. Um, I called it pathetic on Twitter, so that's one way to describe it as well. Ending against Miami, we're going to dig into that. Plus, we uh, have to continue to dissect the reaction to the revelation that the Hornets were at some point shopping Kemba making him available in trade discussions. Don't know necessarily if that's ongoing or or if it happened in the past and hasn't happened again, but we're going to dig into that a little later in the show as well. And then, of course, the Hornets play the Kings tonight in Charlotte, the third uh, third home game of a five-game homestand, important homestand for the Hornets. They need to get back on track against the Kings. We'll have a few words on that later in the show. But let's begin in Charlotte, where the Hornets had a chance to get their third straight win over a top-eight Eastern Conference team in the Miami Heat. It would have been their first three-game winning streak since an overtime victory over the Wizards back in November. The Heat were without their starting point guard, Goran Dragic. They were without their backup point guard and bench spark, Tyler Johnson, Hornets struggled defensively in the first half, especially with Josh Richardson, who was filling in as the primary ball handler, but they outscored the Heat 35-16 to in the third quarter, and they entered the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead. All good, right? 
everything was setting up for their third straight win against a top eight team in the East. Well, not quite. The fourth quarter was filled with Hornets scoring droughts and defensive mistakes, but they were up five with 37 seconds left. And then they allow James Johnson to go Reggie Miller winning time on them. He scores five quick points to tie it up. Two possessions later, Kelly Olenek fouled on a loose ball with .2 left on the clock. He goes to the line and sinks one. That's all they needed. Hornets lose in stunning, heartbreaking fashion. 106-105. We're going to play for you the entire Steve Clifford postgame press conference. <laughs> God. Because it's really short. We played a you know poor defensive first half. Thought we played a great third quarter. And we absolutely butchered the fourth quarter. Just butchered it, starting with the first two possessions. Up 10, first play on a Linux, mistake, stuff that we went over yesterday and today. Second play on a Linux, mistake, it goes from 10 to 4. We get the starters back in, get it back to 10, and just give Ellington a 3. Right when the game is like five and a half, you got a chance to put the game away, and it's just terrible effort. So that's what you get, okay? You know, we made some mistakes late, you know, a couple turnovers over that. That game should have been a 10, 15-point win right there if we defend where we're supposed to. We made, I'd say in the fourth quarter alone, six, seven mistakes on stuff that was covered yesterday, worked on live, and then we did again this morning, okay? And that's how you become a team that wins two, loses one, like we have been. Just total lack of concentration, intensity, technique, and understanding who the hell you're playing against. It's, it's terrible. Terrible. I mean, again, you know, Alenic can really score two mistakes. It goes from 10 to 4. Ellington, who crushed us, game is almost over. They're just hanging on for dear life, and we just give them a three on a play they've been running for five years. So it's disappointing, and it's got to change. Good? All right. Out. <laughs> that's it that's the press the, no questions Whew, no man. questions nec- uh, I'm like honestly like what were you going to ask in that situation uh coach what would you have liked on that uh last but oh no all right Bye, he was rightly pissed off after listen that one doug silent you're not you were not going to get that out of silas it's an un- we didn't really talk about this but it's an underrated uh, appreciation for silas and and not doing that at any point because he certainly had opportunities to come in to those press conferences and and put the team on notice that like the loss to Dallas stands out to me as one of those opportunities that Silas could have done that and maybe that's maybe that's not in his nature maybe he's just not the kind of guy to do that but if if he has any of that in him he restrained it and I think that was good because you know as a substitute teacher you got to have a certain amount of clout to do what Clifford just did you know, you have to have right, a certain yeah. amount of – you have to know where you stand in the locker room. Would have been a mistake for him ever to do that. But Clifford comes in and just – that's vintage Clifford right there. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was about as close as you'll get to take that for data from, from Clifford. I mean, that was take his that press conference. <laughs> exactly. Man, they're now inventing new ways to lose, and that one was particularly – Bad. Was that new? Gut punch. Uh, well, felt I've like never a, seen it. Felt, I, I felt like I'd seen that episode before. Felt like that was a rerun, a friends rerun on TBS. Oh, Not quite up new. five. It was new. I mean, it was a twist on an oldie, but a goodie, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> a a twi- classic. A twist on an old classic. Uh, Nick, how was the view of that game from home? Let me see. You know, I, I this is the one time I wish I had checked my phone. You know, because if I had recorded it, I said, well, I'll just watch it when I get home, you know, oh. and I'm just, you know, it's, yeah, right. You know, and you're, 
the whole time I'm saying, man, this looks good. You know, three wins in a row. You know, I can't wait to talk about this on Monday. I think I actually thought that at one point. Still true, mind you. But, um, you know, and then, like, if, of all ways to lose, we're going to let a touch foul, you know, not even yeah. close to a shot attempt on, on, on the guy with the worst facial hair in the NBA to be off this I'm sorry. I just have to say it. It's, it's bothered me for years. Um, and, um, you know, of course, that's a sick that's burn. A sick burn. That's a sick burn. Of course, of course he beats us in the second free throw, not the first. Right. You know, he just, he right. just lets it, he lets that hope linger just for a second. That's that he what might the heat both. do. That's what um, the heat do. That's true. That's true. So, um, I want to say, though, uh, Wayne Ellington, what a player he has mm-hmm. developed into. I know he only averages 10 points a game, but I mean, it's, but when he can have nights like this, of course, it's against Charlotte. You, know, you just look at a guy and say, what a, and he has really developed into a fringe, from a fringe NBA player to I mean, legit rotation player. Six of 10 hot. from three. Was... Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Ellington was hot. And, you know, Clifford had been mentioning Wayne over and over again before the game. Like it was like, all right, Cliff, we get it. Wayne Ellington's a good. No, he knew. He knew. He that's that's how you know that Clifford knows the NBA. That he's he could he was predicting that this was going to happen, and and I'm sure he was telling the team, and I'm sure they went over these things in the run up to the game, and that's why Clifford is frustrated. That's why fans are frustrated because these things are known. You know, the Heat are a tough team. You know, they shoot three pointers. And, and just the inability to stop them when you know what's coming. You know the punch is coming, and you take it. And that's what's most frustrating, I think, to fans. That's what made that uh, so painful. Uh, I got a lot more thoughts on this game. I know, David, you have some, uh, some more as well. Uh, but first, got to tell you about Frame Warehouse. It is the absolute best time of the year to get something framed, a home decoration, maybe a gift that you got over the holidays that's been sitting around, or something for your bonus room. Now is the time to get your framing done and get it done right with our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the expertise and the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. We're talking about sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys. They will frame anything. The best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy. And I don't know about you, but I need easy. Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the entire process and turn your project around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net today to find the one nearest you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you and give them a Go Hornets, Go America, Let's Swarm Charlotte. Frame Warehouse has been supporting this podcast for two seasons now. So we, we yes. got to get the nest out there supporting our sponsors because they are the ones that truly uh, keep this going. I want to read this email that I got from one of our long-term listeners, long-time listeners, J-Dog, <laughs> says, Hello, gentlemen. Seems like too many times this team has gone through losses this year that could be classified as, quote, it doesn't get worse than that. Chicago on the road. They lost by they lost a heartbreaker to Chicago. The Dallas loss. But that, speaking of Miami, was downright tragic. There's no reason an NBA team should have trouble holding a 10-point lead with four minutes to go. The mistakes made and lack of execution were staggering. Out of all that, 
if we just cut out a single mistake, just one, we probably win that game. Thank you for the email, J Dog, and I know he is. Um, I know he is touching on something that that a lot of fans saw in that game. That it's just one thing that the, they just, the Hornets cannot make that one play to get those types of wins against tough Eastern Conference teams. And and he's right. I mean, this is just another example of of the the worst loss of the year, and they keep having right. them. Dave. Until the next one. Until the next one, right? I mean, they got to play Chicago two more times, so let's don't count our chickens. Um, it's a shame. It's really a shame that Batum was involved in that last, uh, you know, sequence where he had the ball ripped out of his hands by James Johnson. <clears throat> Tough pass, I guess he was, though. I saw a lot of people blaming Batum for that turnover, well, but yeah. I think Marvin Williams was blaming. Mean, you could see his reaction on the court. Uh, he about slammed the ball down because he knew. It was a bad spot. Yeah. And again, what is up? Like it's inbounds. the inbounds, inbounds play. The old nemesis comes back to sting him again. Um, but Batum had such a good night. I mean, best game of the season by far. Uh, 26 points, team high, and just was – you know, thinking maybe that was a turning the corner for him and this team a little bit after all the negative juju that was going around about Kimba the previous day. And then for them to give it up like that there at the end. But I mean, all along, Doug, the three pointers continue to kill this team guys, 14 of 28 for Miami, only seven of 27 for Charlotte. That's how teams are staying in some of these games where it looks like the Hornets are outplaying them. And they just have one guy, Ellington, in this case, who's able to go off and get loose. Yeah. And it's, well, it's and, the pro- like- and the problem was at the point of attack. So, like early in the game in that first half, you heard Clifford mention they couldn't they couldn't play defense. It was Marvin Williams not being able to contain the drive of James Johnson and the Miami Heat are driving kick. That's all. That's like all they do. And if you can figure that out, if you can stop that, then you normally have a shot against the Miami Heat. The Hornets could not. And then Josh Richardson. Being the primary ball handler, they and they go with size up front. You know, not having Goran Dragic or Tyler Johnson, which meant that the Hornets had to put Kimball Walker on Josh Richardson. And you know, credit to Miami, they attacked that matchup, and it was it was very beneficial for them. And then late in the game, you saw Frank Kaminsky on Kelly Olynyk. Those first two possessions, Frank goes underneath the screen on the first one. That was a mistake. You can't go under on Olenek. He's just too good at, at quickly putting up a three-point shot and knocking it down. And then on the second possession, it was Frank Kaminsky and Jeremy Lamb not communicating with one another on the switch. And Jeremy Lamb does not switch. And Kelly Olenek is wide open for a three-point shot. So, you know, these these are, are little things, are mechanical things. Right. But I think big picture, too, guys, the Miami Heat are just about everything – that the Hornets are not. What do I mean by that? Well, the Miami Heat are tough. If yeah. James Johnson, Kelly Olynyk, Hassan Whiteside, Josh Richardson, players that have skills but also have an edge to them, they, and they are never out of a game, and they're always going to fight back, and that's something that I can't necessarily say for this Hornets team the past two years. I could have said it in that playoff season, but these two past two seasons – that's you would not call them mentally tough. All right, the Miami Heat can play through injuries to their best players. They've won games despite absences from Goran Dragic, Hassan Whiteside, and Dion Waiters. The Hornets. I've got people on the Twitter feed, guys, talking about could Cody Zeller's return be the difference maker? Like that's no, like that shouldn't be a thing. 
That shouldn't be a thing for a playoff team. <laughs> Cody Zeller should not be no. the difference maker, okay? No. The Miami Heat have athleticism and defense at every position. The Hornets are skill and IQ, and they lack 3 and D. They lack athleticism. They lack two-way play. The, the Miami Heat also have a center who takes inadvisable shots. So that's a similarity. But they execute their offense everywhere else and have three-point shot makers that can make up for the deficit. The shooting covers up sins. The Miami Heat display that. The Hornets often do not. And here's the biggest difference, I think. The Miami Heat are now 11-2, and counting the game they won against Charlotte, in yep. games decided by five points or less. That leads the league. The Hornets are now 0-14 in games decided by three or less. The Miami Heat are a team that can cause some problems in the playoffs. The Hornets cannot, this season, win three games in a row and have been routinely punked in critical games where they had a double-digit fourth-quarter lead. Yeah. And credit to Spolstra, too, man. I mean, look at this team makeup, guys, and look where they are. I mean, they don't really they don't have a, a superstar. They don't have a really a marquee guy. I mean, they're they're building somewhat around Whiteside, but it's really a collection of of smaller parts. And Spolstra is able to put a team together that, like you said, Doug, continues to fight. Some of that's personnel. I mean, James Johnson's certainly going to fight hard, but Spolstra does such a good job with that group. It doesn't matter. I mean, think about since like. LeBron and Wade have left. It doesn't matter who's there. They always play a similar style and they're always going to be in the games. And like, I don't know what it says about the Hornets that they, they don't really get blown out. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they're not a, they don't have a huge history this year of just getting crushed. So their talent level is typically good enough to keep them in these games. But when it comes down to, you know, uh, being strong enough to finish them out, like you said, Doug, it's a pattern now, and they're bending new ways to lose these games. Uh, Nick, we've got a question here on the chat from Amber asking, how does this loss move the needle vis-a-vis the trade outlook for Kemba Walker or others? Does this loss, do you think it will move the needle at all as we approach the February 8th trade deadline? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, as I was watching that game last night, I felt like, a couple of those guys, Walker and Batum in particular, it felt like they were playing almost in a way of making a statement of saying, like, you want to trade us? Like, you really want to mm-hmm. do this type of thing? And you know, especially early on. I mean, you could just see Walker look very dialed in. Batum was searching for his shots. And then, he, you know, he started making them. I think it was the third quarter when he when he had all those points. Yeah. Um, it certainly doesn't move it. Like, you know, it doesn't lower the chances. I think, right. you know, it, it, yeah. it certainly kind of reaffirms some of the the beliefs that um, that Cho and this front office are thinking that like, look, this isn't working as it is. Um, but Doug, you made a good point early on. Like, you know, we've heard these reports. We just don't know if it, if it's something that's happening now or if it happened. We don't know the when context. They were losing. Right. And we, I mean, we can only assume that they're still keeping all their options open, but um, I don't think, what I don't think it necessarily. Have. Right. Um, I don't think it necessarily moves it too far, you know, like I don't think it increases the chances that much. Um, but it certainly yeah, doesn't game. make things. It, yeah. It doesn't make, it doesn't reassure things. I mean, I, well, I just, we, we have to keep these as one game at a time, but I know it's tough not to do that. Yeah. Well, I think the main thing Doug is, and we were texting during the game, you look at this game, no, no Dragic, um, no Johnson. And the Hornets could barely keep up as it was. Like, yeah, they eventually got a, a lead and a, and, a, and a separation and should have won. But the struggles they had building up to this, playing a team without their starting point guard, 
and not playing very well for, for a bit of the game. I mean, that reinforces the fact that something isn't working. Not to say that, like, they have to trade Kimba or any one person, but, like, something is clearly not working as it should be. When you've got momentum, you're at home, you've had a day off, you've got, a, a, a you know, an ailing team you're facing off against – that you know pretty well, and you're not able to close them out. And listen, I mean, the Hornets, the Hornets flag. are saying it over and over again. Like when you talk to them in the locker room, or or when they talk at practice, they're saying the same thing over over and over again. That two seasons ago, when they went to the playoffs and they made that run in the second half of the season to get into the playoffs, they were a team that was difficult to play against because they played defense every night. Their offense waxed and waned. It sort of went the way of Kemba. It went the way of of Jeremy Lin. It went the way of his Al Jefferson playing well. Offense waxed and wane, defense was constant. And for the past two seasons, that has not been the case. And and I think that's that's fundamental. I'm not sure that that's one or two players away. Th- that just may be something that they, they built this thing, and this thing can't play defense very well for whatever reason. And uh, you see what, what frustration that's bringing uh, to Coach Clifford and, and other fans. Double M15 on the chat, welcome in to the nest if they trade Kimba how long will it take to rebuild years I mean we're talking like it like God. Uh, yeah. the, Philly went through the process it took them five years and and that yeah, just was look the, at yeah just look at the teams rebuilding now and we can get into that more of the, the trade Kings talk, the Kings yeah, they play the Kings tonight <laughs> the Kings are in eternal rebuild <laughs> the, seriously yeah. like they and and that's it look, yeah. look look at the Sacramento Kings okay the Suns, and I was gonna bring this Kings, up I was gonna bring magic. this up during the preview but they went and acquired George Hill, Zach Randolph, uh, Garrett Temple. Vince and Carter. What? Vince Carter. And Vince Carter. Thank you. I was, I was missing the fourth player. Yeah, so they go, they go get all these veterans, and then their player personnel guy leaves for the Knicks, and then they go, ah, oh, just kidding, we're still rebuilding. We want a top five pick. Psych. No, see, again, you, you, if, if you're, these rebuilds are, are just, they're, they're torture on fans. And they're so dependent on, on 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 so many other circumstances that can take you in in wildly different directions that you just have to look. I just don't think fans are necessarily prepared for that. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. I want to talk about this Kemba uh, trade stuff because we had a oh, lot of from from one over thing, the, Doug. Yeah, one thing. The last thing on this game. What about that last call? Did you guys think on Dwight? Um, because I don't think that's a call that's made ninety nine point nine nine percent of the call. time. No. It's 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 a tie game. Yeah. You don't have to do it. You 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 hold the whistle. It's not a foul. I didn't think it was a foul anyway. But you don't call that. You let the game go into overtime. Let the players play it out. Right? Like what is that? What was that right. garbage? It's a it's a bad call. Did matter. Bad call. Should have right. should have won the game. I, that's the thing. Like that's why it wasn't mentioned. Yeah, no, I know, but 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 uh, you know, if you're watching, you're the right. Game, it, it was, was it was no, I I watched it. It was stupid. a garbage call. Okay, well, that's what I thought. Yeah, all right, we're all. I don't think anyone anyone in this room is going to disagree that that was a uh, a bad call. I, I, if I called up the guys from Locked On Heat right now, they'd probably Wes Goldberg would probably be like, yeah, bad call. dude. The, the the Heat announcers, and if you guys have ever watched them on League Pass or have the joy of listening to They're them, the biggest, them the, they might be the, the biggest homers. Of, they were shocked. They were surprised. <laughs> That's when you know. It's like, like, it's like Heat and, and Celtics. Heat and Celtics are like the biggest homers. Did we get a Falco? Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk Kemba trade. Uh, we, we reacted to it on Friday. Go back and listen to that for our first thoughts. We've had some time to digest it. We've had some time to hear the reaction and the reaction to the reaction and all of the trade machine rumblings. Uh, first, 
I, I want to talk about this because I've seen this line of of discussion go through Twitter that that basically the, the take is that the Hornets did not go about this in a professional way because Kemba seemed to be shocked by the revelations and, and Clifford. I don't know if you would call him shocked. Um, but but certainly before this, he had said things like, I don't think that Kimba's going anywhere, et cetera, et cetera. He's building a house. So, uh, guys, do you think that the Hornets, by not alerting Clifford or not alerting Kimba, went about this in an unprofessional way, David? It's, I mean, it's tough for me to say because I don't know that we know every angle of this. I don't think they leaked this. I mean, Nick – uh, you hinted at that when we were kind of going back and forth yeah. on Slack. Like, you don't think they they leaked this. This came from another side, most likely. Um, but to blindside Clifford and Kimba, I think at this point, you know, they have to ha- take a little responsibility in that uh, because clearly these guys didn't know that was happening. And, again, these talks come out. And, Doug, when we were discussing on Friday, we quoted directly from Woj, who – the, the words were like um, they're encouraging other teams to include Kimba in any trade offers. And then when it gets out, it's the Hornets are shopping Kimba Walker. And like, there's a distinction, maybe it's semantics. Uh, Chris Kroger and, and, and David Griffin had a good conversation on, uh, on his show on Friday about the differences between like shopping, actively shopping, you know, listening and stuff like that. But I think at some point they should have either talked to Kimba or Cliff just so they're not flying out there on the winds. So, I mean, um, but it's all part of the business. I mean, that's part of Clifford's, you know, territory. That's part of Kimba being the star player, even though he hasn't gone through it before. Like these talks are going to happen. Um, but at some point they got to get on the same page. Nick. Well, we know that this, like this, I guess, blindsiding aspect isn't, it's not just a Hornets thing. I mean, this happened with Isaiah Thomas this summer, you know, with, with the whole Kyrie trade, he didn't realize that that was happening. He didn't right. think that would happen. Um, so we can't just say like, oh, bad on the Hornets. Like, I, I can say it's a bad on it's a bad practice on the league. Um, I think that you know, but I will and I will say though that this is not the first time the Hornets have maybe blindsided a, a notable player. Um, you know, Gerald Wallace was not uh, yeah. too pleased when he was suddenly traded away. Um, but okay, can I stop? But, I got to stop you right there, Nick. Who is ever pleased to be traded, unless okay, unless in the yeah. rare circumstance? that a team is rebuilding, they are awful, they're going to be awful, and they move the star player out. And the star, and there's sort of everyone in the league knows that it's going to happen. And, 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 and in that case, they're like, all right, I get it. The, the, the organization's moving in a different direction. But that's like, right. but who, who likes to be trained? Who likes to be fired? Is there ever a good way to fire someone? Is there ever a good way to trade someone? I would posit to you, No. Like the, there's never a, a circumstance, and and my thing too with this whole where uh, the Hornets professional. Listen, we we talk about this organization as one that does not leak, that does not let things leak. Often these trades that happen, yep. small or large, are a big surprise to everyone. You don't see Woj getting this far ahead of a yeah. a trade story in Charlotte, and the reason that is is because they don't talk about these things. Like, that's the thing. I, I heard um, our friend Nada, who I love and respect, was saying, well, you you tell Kemba or you tell his agent, you have that responsibility. You you really don't. And if you start to, if you tell Kemba and you tell the agent and you tell the coach, th- that's how things get out. 
and, and and I know. Look, we we all like we all love Kemba, and you know we we're we're sad if he's sad. But at the same time, if you're running an organization and you want trade discussions to stay private, and you don't want other teams to have leverage over you when when things become public, and you don't want it to disrupt current team actions, then you don't talk about it. Well, then, I mean, but at the same time, you know, like you said, they don't leak, but it's still got out anyways, because they've been like, they've been talking to teams. They've been putting Kemba, you know, forward and saying, Hey, what do you, what do you think? So, but no, but, but here's the thing. It's different when it's like, it's, it is different because it's Walker, because like right now you have a team, you have, you have Kemba Walker, who is their captain. You have a coaching staff who all have one, they have their, their mindset is we're pushing for the playoffs. This is what we want to do. While at the same time, the ownership who is, you know, who they're probably assuming, okay, they, they know they're going to be looking for a trade, but probably in their minds, the trade is not rebuilding. The trade is let's try to retool this a little bit. And, because and that's, it, what, that's what's been the case every, right. every kind of year. And yeah, so, I mean, yeah. you know, you have two different, you have, you have two sides here that are on different pages that see different visions of the future. And I mean, you can, you can agree that one side is, you know, is, you know, like we can agree that maybe this team needs to rebuild, but it's when you kind of, it's just, it's different when you blindside the player who had, who is the, you know, unequivocally the face of this franchise, because then if he's gone, what kind of message does that send to the rest of the locker room? Um, I mean, like imagine this locker room without Walker, like imagine these players who have been busting their ass all season, trying to get this thing turned around. Suddenly Walker's not there. Like, I just think it causes it, it. It could have long-term repercussions in the locker well, room that it go says, beyond just trying to rebuild. Well, listen, it says they're going to rebuild. That's the thing. There is no there is no rebuild with Kimba Walker. That's what, and I think some yeah. people are mistaken in, in that assumption. They think that that Kimba Walker would be satisfied with another rebuild. He's been through that. No. He went through seven wins in a season. Like he's he's done that. And I don't think he's very interested in that at all. Talk about an unhappy Kimball Walker. A Kimball Walker without a team that has a potential of going to the playoffs, I don't think would be very satisfying to Kimball Walker. But but my only thing is this. If, again, we don't know the context. If they're just listening to offers or they're just talking to certain teams about the possibility of leveraging Kimball Walker's contract to move right. other contracts – which was part of the report from Woj. If that's the thing, if the trade is not even in serious talks, then then what good does it do you to to tell Kimball Walker that? Other None. than other than it yeah. feels good, other than it feels I'm, right, other than it's yeah, a people yeah. thing, a person like a, a human a human resources kind of thing where it's like, well, you know, the nice thing to do is give someone a heads up. It's, but, well, it's but not you, until you it gets out. Do like that. This. <laughs> you can't right. do that. It's probably the right move until it gets out like this, and then it, you know it looks like there's a bit of confusion. But you know, um, but that's I think it's a that's risk. It that's the risk you take. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if if this is, I mean, and let's let's look at the reports. Both reports, one with the Knicks indicates that talks have not really progressed much at all. Like that that we know that like that's that's what the report says. The other one that links them with Dallas has very little information to go off if, other than they said they've contacted them. So I don't think any of these have, have reached an advanced stage. Okay, no. but, uh, let's let's but, move but real like, quickly so because some of the people the in the chat they want to know about like what are the best moves we've seen? What are some of the the trade machines? So have you guys seen a move that you like 
and that seems actually doable, that seems reasonable? Have you guys mm. seen a trade machine move that you like? I don't like any of them. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think this is the right way to go, but I know you're saying like, if you're going to do it, I think they have to be looking to get back a young player and a pick. Like for me, if they get anything back less than that, then they just were resigned to do this, you know, regardless. And that would be a, a huge mistake to me. So, I mean, any of these, the one that I saw that somebody sent me a shout out to uh, somebody on Twitter. Sorry. I, I don't know. At, I'll at, it, but at somebody <laughs> at somebody was Detroit, with like Reggie Jackson, um, a pick, um, Stanley Johnson, and Reggie Bullock for like Kimba and Marvin or something like that. Um, that way you get a pick and you get Stanley Johnson back. I mean, if that's what you're selling me as the young guy who's coming back, which is who's basically an he might, I mean, at this point, that might be Reggie Bullock. He's he's playing really well right uh, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, the problem with that deal – and a problem with a lot of the well, deals that the I've seen. The problem with it is you got to watch Reggie Jackson for three more years. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's contract length. Like when I see all of these trades with whether it be Denver or uh, Indiana. Well, actually, the Pacers one, there, there was a Pacers one that uh, uh, Kevin Pelton put on ESPN Insiders. It was uh, Al Jefferson. It was a pick. And, and two me. other two other Pacers players that were on uh, one-year deals that, that could have been shed. Like that. That makes sense to me from the Hornets' perspective, but why it was for Kimba and Dwight, but why the Pacers, who who have a That's little a bit thing. of a good thing none going, of, why would they disrupt their whole these, system? Yeah, none of these fit like anything right. in all areas, right? That's why it's it's. I, I just think it's still going to be a long shot. I mean, we'll see what happens, but like for them to do what they need to do, which is basically unload some of these contracts, which clearly no one wants because that's the whole reason Kemba's name is even in these discussions to begin with, because nobody wants to take on these other contracts. Um, like if just getting rid of Kemba doesn't do anything for them, it just loses their best player. And then they're still saddled with all these crappy contracts. So you're, you're in a, you're in a catch 22, right, David, because yeah. you, you, what the goal needs to be is to shed money because again, without Kemba, you're in rebuild mode. Like it's no question. You're you're not yeah, going it's, it's to win. Teardown. Right. You're in teardown mode. So you need to really, but then you're gonna move Kemba for peanuts. It's gonna be worse than the Gerald Wallace thing where we got two sort of middle yeah. first round picks. People were upset with that. But let, let me tell you, if Kemba moves, you're going you're most you're either going you're either going to be upset with the return or you're going to be upset worst case scenario. That's best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario on a Kimba Walker trade is that you are upset with the return that you got back on Kimba. Worst case scenario is that the organization brings back veterans who have oh, long-term money, money. A- and handicap themselves for more years and they still try to win. That's worst case scenario. Oh god. Wow, so, yeah, that, that, that's where it doesn't make any sense. The the two to me, guys, and I don't even know how realistic, well, I don't know how realistic any of this is, but like the one that gets talked about more uh, because of New York is is like Frank and a Frank Nielakina and a pick mm-hmm. or something coming back for Kemba or like a straight up swap. And you, <laughs> um, because then you get a young point guard in Frank, but they love Frank. The timing with Kemba and that team doesn't really match up right now. I don't know why the Knicks would swap out a young developing point guard for you know, for Kemba at this point. Well, and so you've, you've heard rumblings from Knicks insiders, Knicks beat writers that the Knicks are not interested in what the Hornets are right. offering. Yeah. And it, and it all, listen, 
I don't have, I'm not going to break any news here. I don't have any information. This is going to be wild speculation, but I will say this. The New York Knicks are, are not exactly known for keeping these kind of things quiet. <laughs> okay? And, and they're often known for using the media to try to leverage more out of a trade. And, and it's part of the reason why it's so difficult to trade with them. It's part of the reason why the whole Carmelo Anthony situation was as complex, complicated as it was and why it was difficult to move him because it's <laughs> so anyway, well, I'm not Phil's saying not that's what, either. I'm not yeah. saying that's what happened in this situation as well, but I have my suspicions. That's what I'll say. <laughs> well, the, the other one is like if Cleveland somehow, it, but you have to get the Brooklyn yeah. pick, and I think Isaiah Thomas. And if like, again, just, if they ended I'm, up with the know. Brooklyn pick after everything they went through with Kaminsky and the Brooklyn picks, that would just be, no, that would be dripping. <laughs> I mean, it would just be setting up for all of these national writers to point and laugh at the Charlotte Hornets. You could have had that pick several years ago and not gone all through this. It just all uh, lines up to they'd be better off riding this out at this point. I mean, I don't yeah, know how else you slice I, it up. I, I'm with you, David. Like, just let it go the rest of the season one way or another. And then at that point, if you decide, like, okay, like, this is what we're going to do. I mean, at that point, the players can kind of get – I mean, the players could leave this season. If they miss the playoffs, the players could leave the season understanding, okay, things might go a different direction. This is probably our last – like, our, you know, this is probably our last shot. And – I mean, I know, again, I'm not trying to say, like, we got to consider the player's feelings, you know, whatever like that. But it's, you know, I just feel like the timing of everything would work a little bit better. The transition would be a little bit smoother. Um, there'd probably be less fallout. I think it'd be, I think everyone would understand that a rebuild would make sense, you know, if they end up missing the playoffs by five, six games, whatever it is. So, you know, but right now I just feel like it's, it's, and here's the other thing that I got to point out here. Rich Cho is in the end of it, at the end of his contract. Yeah. If he's making, if he's starting to make moves on a rebuild, I mean, like right now, what, what do y'all chance? What do y'all think he's going to, he's even going to be here next year. And so like, I don't know, like, I mean, they're not going to say like Rich, Hey, uh, sorry, man, we're not, we're, you know, like they're not going to tell him now, I guess, but, I just feel like if would that be rebuild, the professional rebuild, thing to do, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, we just tell rebuild, everyone I mean, before it, we do bad things to them. That's how the world works. It, that's how that's how we're I supposed mean, to operate. That's naive, yeah. is what that is. Yeah, that's true. If if the if if they're going to rebuild, they should do it under a new under a new front office because like Cho already did this, like right. and, and that's you know like Cho Cho did a rebuild and it, and it got us here and. Um, so just, just, I don't know. That's just, I don't feel like you give this organization, this front office, a rebuild, another rebuild job. All right. The Hornets take on, uh, let's, uh, let's move on real quick. We got to get some uh, thoughts on this Kings game tonight. The Hornets take on the Kings in Charlotte, the third of a five game homestand. The Kings are 13 and 32 on the year 15th in the Western conference after acquiring several veterans and adding lots of young talent in the draft. The Kings are still the big old mess they've always been. Right now, riding a seven-game losing streak and losing games by double digits more often than not. The last time the Hornets and Kings played, they were in Sacramento several weeks ago, and the Hornets put up 131 big ones, which was a season high before they dropped 133 on the Wizards a few days ago. Uh, Quick thoughts from each of you, David. Opportunity for the Hornets to get back on track and hopefully make us forget about what happened against Miami. Yeah, perfect opponent to come in after you just got punched in the face. 
uh, and had a, a win ripped out of your arms, literally. The only thing the Kings do well, guys, is this is hilarious because it's it's very Kingsian. They shoot the three well, but they don't shoot the three. <laughs> <laughs> like they're third in the league in three-point percentage, but I think they're dead last in three-point attempts. They shoot even, you know, they don't even shoot as many of the, as the Hornets do. So they're a mess. They're dead last in basically every meaningful statistical category. And uh, they are rudderless. I mean, this is a game the Hornets absolutely should just come out and take. Nick. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of echo David David's thoughts here. I mean, what I'd like to see, though, I mean, just individually, is we saw, like, we saw Nick Batum's best game, not just this season, but maybe, like, part, if we can go in the large portions of last season as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Kenny, like, he had a great game the other night. Can he do it again? Like, that's we want to see consistency from guys like him. Um, but um, no, let's, let's, you know, really let's just, whether this game is, I don't care if this game is close or whatever it is, just if it comes down to the fourth quarter and they need, they need, they need to hold on, they need to make some stops, make those stops this time, correct your mistake. Do not let this linger. And, you know, because as you can, as we saw this weekend, crazy, crazy things can happen. Yeah. They practiced on Sunday and I, I think it's fair to say that had they gotten a double digit win over Miami, they would not That's have been insane. practicing on Sunday. No, no. But it's it's it, you're right. It is about correcting mistakes. Now they only had three turnovers in that last match against Sacramento, so that's going to be key: protecting the basketball, keeping easy baskets out of the hands of of some of those Kings transition players. Uh, only eight turnovers against Miami, though, on Saturday. So it's not necessarily a, a determining factor. It, it really is about one on one defense and team defense. They are failing at both of them at times, and uh, again, it's game to game for this team. It is not. They're, they're, yeah. they're, if if someone were to call, if someone from the Locked On Podcast Network were to to call me right now and say, "Hey, what's wrong with the Hornets?" Um, I, I can't point them to an issue that has been consistent over five or six games anymore. It was like that earlier in the season. There were systemic issues with this team, second unit not being able to score things that that were happening over seven to ten games. But now you, you heard uh, you heard Steve Clifford there in his press conference, basically. This is how a team plays when when they can win one and lose two or win two and lose one. Like they can't put a winning streak together because they have zero consistency. Uh, again, yeah. that that there's a little internal fortitude that has to happen that has to be uh, that has to be dug out for this Hornets team right now. And it starts against the Sacramento Kings, and then they play the Pelicans and the the Hawks at home this week. So a chance right to get three straight wins. And, and then you're talking about a team that all of a sudden did lose a, a horrific one against Miami, uh, but would be winners of five of their last six. Uh, so, all right, that'll do it for us for this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks to our sponsor, Frame Warehouse. Visit them online, framewarehouse.net. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast. Tell a friend. Give us a review. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to Twitter or on email, buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again tomorrow with a recap of this game against the Kings and more. For David and Nick, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm sharp.